In this edition of Locked On Capitals, we talk about the inconsistent play on the Caps. How do they get back to winning games on a consistent basis? Then later in the show, we will talk about of the long list of injuries, which player's absence is the most noticeable. And then in the final segment, we will talk about the Caps blue line and what is their future. We'll talk about all of that and more next on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Your Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello and welcome into this edition of Locked On Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen or view of the day. Yes, this podcast is also available in video form, so head on over to YouTube and check it out. And when you're on YouTube, make sure and hit that subscribe button. And if you like the videos, give it a thumbs up. It really helps grow the channel. My name is Dan Holm. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. In this edition of Locked On Capitals, we are happy to say we have Mike Vogel on the show from WashingtonCapitals.com. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan. Good to be here. So taking a look at this Capitals team, I think that's a good place to start is talking about the inconsistent play so far. The Capitals, who are 7-9-2 and and sit third to last in the Metro Division, they are 2-6 and this month. What is your assessment on what is going wrong with this team? Yeah, I think you nailed it with the consistency factor. You know, you see uh, last night's a good example where, where you, they look like lights out for a, a stretch of the game. Um, but, you know, ultimately a couple of breakdowns cost them. The, the first goal comes on a turnover. First goal against, I should say, comes on a turnover. Second one for me was, was pretty fluky. Um, the power play goal, because it shouldn't have been a power play to begin with, I didn't think. And then... Um, you know, great play by Reinhardt to whack it out of the air. It, uh, from one night to the next, it's it's something different, it seems like. Um, you know, for a long time, they were subsisting on the power play. There was a stretch there where I think they had 13 power play goals in a dozen games. And it was getting them points. You know, they were, they were maybe around 500 over that stretch, but they weren't scoring enough uh, at even strength. Then all of a sudden, they erupt for five at evens last week against Tampa. And since then... Nothing on the power play. It's dry. I think 0 for 21 now going into the, the St. Louis game. Um, they, they just don't have right now with, with eight guys out of line, if they don't have much of a margin for error from night to night either, I think. So, you know, they, they're going in and, and they're needing good goaltending, which they're getting. I think most nights they're getting good goaltending. If anything, they're squandering some good goaltending here along the way. And, you know, the guys that I've talked to day in and day out, really for, I'd say, the last 10 days to two weeks are all, you know, they're frustrated, I think, and they're they're saying, hey, we we feel like we're underperforming here. We've left some points on the table. We, um, we should be doing better than we are. But I, I think there's also a sense that uh, certainly they, they're, uh, they're not trying to avoid culpability for, mistakes that are made within games because those are happening too there it seems like though from my perspective and last night again a good example the last 40 minutes 
I didn't think the Panthers had a ton of high danger chances, but when they got them, they scored on them. And the Caps, on the other hand, seem to have to work harder for their for their goals. Um, and they're not getting too many greasy ones. They're not getting too many bounce goals. You know, we saw in Tampa Bay the other night, they get a couple of goals off Caps defenders. Those have been few and far between, I feel like, for the Caps this year. So it just seems like a, a perfect storm of stuff that's gone against them. And, you know, I mean, last year, actually the last – six, seven years, they've been a really good November team. Um, the last 10, 11, 12 years, they've been a really good road team, best in the league since 2011, 12. And, and those things aren't coming to the fore yet this season. Uh, remains to be seen whether it will or not. To me, going into this season, knowing that you were, you know, you were starting out missing Backstrom, Wilson and Haglund, the goal had to be just to not get buried early on, you know, hang tight, stay within a, a few points of the, of the playoffs at worst. Um, and obviously you're, you're hoping like, I mean, last year they started out, you know, against the eight ball too, and, and had a, a really great start. Um, I think this year that there's a little more missing from, from the lineup. So I think, you know, for about a month, they did not They did a pretty good job of, of, of holding, sort of holding serve, if you will. But, yeah, it does seem like here in the last 10 days to two weeks, there, there's been a real lack of consistency. I just think they need a winning streak. I just think they need to put four or five wins together, and they don't have to be pretty wins. But, you know, before you can get four or five, got to get one, and they haven't been able to to stack up even two uh, since the Nashville game. And that's kind of where the, the injury bug really started to bite them. So, you know, I, I think there's enough good things that you see night to night to make you hopeful that the next game or the, the game after that, you know, they'll, they'll start to piece it together. Um, I, you know, but I don't, I think they've been blown out once in 18 games. There was one game that, that I think they're, they are and they should be disappointed in their performance and that was Sunday night at Tampa I think you know everything else they, they've been right there um they haven't gotten many breaks but they haven't made many breaks for themselves either so uh you know I think there's also there's a lot of fluidity from night to night uh I think last night well no Joe, Joe Snively came into the lineup last night so that was the ninth straight game that they've had a different lineup out there and I think um, you know, when you're trying to build consistency, stability helps build consistency, and they don't really have stability uh, right now. And, you know, they brought in two guys since the start of the season, Sonny Milano and um, Nicholas Obey-Cubell, and, and neither of those guys obviously had a training camp uh, here. So they're trying to, you know, catch up on the fly and all that. And because of the schedule, you don't have a ton of practice time available either. So, like I said, it's kind of a perfect storm and a confluence of a lot of things. And, you know, I, I just think they need to find a way to get that first one and then figure figure out a way to, to build up that the game the night after that. Man, a lot of people like to point to all the myriad of injuries on this Capitals team. But if you take a look at the defense, the only player that's missing on the blue line is Dmitry Orloff right now. They got John Carlson back. So a lot of people like to point to that. Well, they'd play better if they didn't have all these injuries. 
I think that's an excuse to an extent, but it seems like it's a little bit uh, deeper than that if you take a look at it, because, you know, with Dmitry Orlov back on the blue line, is that going to fix the situation of them kind of folding in front of Darcy Kemper or Charlie Lindgren on any given night? Well, I think it's a menace thing too, Dan. Like when you take, when you have John and uh, Dimitri out at the same time, which you did for three or four games there. Uh, and I wrote that that the, the first night that happened was only, I think, the third or fourth time in 900 and some regular season games that the Caps were missing both of those guys. You know, I mean, both of those two guys have put together streaks of over 400 consecutive games. And both of those guys, um, those are the two remaining defensive pieces from your Stanley Cup team in, in 2018 as well. So. I don't think you can overestimate what those guys bring on a nightly basis, especially in terms of the number of minutes they pull down. Um, and Orloff is, is your basic not uh, year in and year out. The guy who leads your team in even strength minutes and Carlson eats a ton of minutes uh, for, for a five-year period of time in the middle of the last decade, he was the only defenseman in the league who was over X number of power play minutes and X number of, shorthanded minutes. So when you take both of those guys out of the lineup, you're not only trying to patch those five on five minutes, but now you need guys to step in to both of those special team situations too. And I thought Eric Gustafson did a good job of filling in for Carlson, at least on the, on the power play um, at the, at the top there at center point. Um, but yeah, I mean, you need guys to step in and, and do a job. And I think Matt Irwin I mean, that's a thankless job, this being the seventh defenseman on a team. He's, last year, he winds up sitting until December 4th. He doesn't even get into a game for two months. And then, you know, he's thrust in essentially every night for a month or so. This year, he gets in about a month earlier, but, you know, jumps right into a set of back-to-backs. And then, you know, I think they've had one or two practice days uh, since. But you can't ask Matt Irwin to skate the same – number or type of minutes that Dmitry Orlov chews up. So now you need Marty Fervar and Nick Jensen and, and Trevor Van Riemsdyk, et cetera, to, to assume a, a higher workload. And I just think, it, you know, when, when you're missing guys from the lineup, you can make do for a short period of time, no matter who it is. Um, we've seen it over the years. Ovechkin's out at, at you know, three, four, five games. They find a way to, to get points over that period of time. But when you're when the ask is, you know, a half a season or a quarter of a season or two weeks, it, it, it gets a little heavier as far as um, it's going to show up eventually. And, and yeah, there's some breakdowns in front of Darcy Kemper. Like you say, there's breakdowns in, in front of Charlie Lindgren. And to me, those guys have both done a good job of patching over some egregious turnovers. Um, there's. Uh, things could be a lot worse, I think, from that perspective, for sure. I, I think, Dan, when you're talking about team defense, I, and I think about this team right now, um, it's not one of those things where they're they're so bad in their own end that they're getting hemmed and they're getting stuck and they're, they're spending, you know, these 90, 95, 120-second uh, shifts in their own end where they, they just can't get out and the, the opposition is uh, getting line chases and stuff. To me, it's just breakdowns at inopportune times. Um, last night's a good example on, on the, the Cousins goal, the third third goal for Florida in the third period. 
Um, he gets behind both defensemen, gets that pass at the at the back door, and he's got time and space with which to pull right around Darcy and and tuck it in uh, at the other post because there's there's no defenseman anywhere near him. Those are the kind of things that are happening um, probably too frequently, and and certainly when when they are happening, the, the opposition is is taking advantage. So. I mean, you don't like to use injuries as an excuse, and I don't think they've done that. Um, but you have to be realistic about what's missing and how you're going to try to compensate for whatever's missing from your lineup at any given time. And you're going to have to realize that, you know, there's a reason that this guy is your number one defenseman and this guy is your number two defenseman and that this guy's your seven and your eight. And you're going to have to realize that there's going to be a difference in, in what you get from those players. All right, so after the break, we will continue to talk to Mike Vogel about the Washington Capitals. And of all the players that are on the injured list, which one's absence is the most noticeable? We'll talk about that next. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports, betting, info, stats, and news and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get all of your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. And guys, even if you're not into gambling, maybe you want to bet on a future Capitals game. That's where Bet Online comes in. So go to Bet Online where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Capitals your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. And one of the things that's a bit concerning for me since we're talking about the blue line here is John Carlson is the only one under contract except for yeah. Martin Faravari, who's a restricted free agent. So I think that, you know, possibly change could be afoot on this team uh, coming into the next summer here. You know, you've covered this team for many years. What's your assessment on what this Capitals blue line is going to look like next season? That's a good question, Dan. And, you know, so if you, the, I guess when you, like you say, five of the six are in the last year of their contracts and, and Martin Fairbury has uh, restricted free agent years ahead of him. Um, so we can count on two of the six being back. Then, then the question becomes, who do you want back out of the remainder of those guys? And how much is it going to cost you to, to keep them both in terms of term and, and dollars too? guy like Dmitry Orlov is already making 5.1 million. He's going to want probably a raise. He's 30 now. How, how willing are you going to be? How how long into the future do you want to go? And and the other part of it, Dan, too, is you got to you got to try to assess where do you expect your team to be over that period of time, too. Are you going to throw a six-year, seven-year deal at anyone, whether it's Orlov or, or anyone on your team, if you're expecting to to have to rebuild the roster at some point during that period of time. And I think 
for me, the way it looks like right now, what they're trying to do is stay competitive here while Ovechkin chases down Gordie Howe and Wayne Gretzky. And that, that's admittedly potentially a bit of a tightrope walk as well. Um, so far, so good. But, uh, you know, you're, you're hoping that guys don't fall off the age cliff simultaneously here when you've got obviously Backstrom is, is ailing and, and has been for a bit, you know, the last two seasons. Um, Ovechkin to me so far, you know, he's on, he's on a pace for 35, 36 goals right now, but he, he doesn't look like the guy we've seen, you know, every once in a while he gets off that shot that we've, that we've been used to seeing, but he's also shanked a fair number of shots. I think, from from that spot this year, he 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 doesn't look like he's at his peak yet, and and typically he's he's pretty good early in the season if you if you look at his his career numbers. So you know, I mean, when you get so many players that are past the age of thirty, it becomes a, a bit of a delicate dance. And I don't think it's a bad thing that they have so many defensemen in the last year of their contracts. I think there's an incentive for those guys to perform and have great years too. And there's a fair amount of forwards that are in the same boat as well. Connor Sherry uh, comes to mind. And for me, Sherry and Nick Jensen have been the two guys who, uh, of, of that group that are in their, their last year. Those are the two guys that have put forth the best statements um, towards keeping them, them here. I, I think both of those guys have been pretty consistent. I mean, the fact that Nick Jensen is your you know, here we are on November 16th and Nick Jensen is leading your team in even strength scoring. That That's not something that I, that I don't think anybody would have predicted at, at season's outset here. Um, so I think he's been good. But when you, to get back to your initial question, you, you also need to look at what you have. You know, how, how many up and coming young defensemen can you project in your system right now that you think are, are going to morph into NHL caliber defenders. I mean, we've only seen Alex Alexiev play two games. We've only seen Lucas Johansson play two games. Both of those guys are first round picks. Uh, I think for me, it's kind of important to, to get a read on both of those guys. And, and, and maybe they've got enough read on Lucas. They waived him twice now last year and this year. Um, I'm not sure, you know, what their, their long-term thinking is on him. They seem to think Alexeyev is is still a prospect, but he's coming off a major surgery and he's going to need kid gloves here, I think, for a little while longer as well. Um, beyond that, Vincent Iorio looks like a good prospect. I know they like Ryan Chesley a lot, but he's, he's you know, freshman at, at Minnesota. He's going to take some time. So I think, you know, you can project some guys being ready to step into the blue line a few years from now. I don't know how many of them you can <laughs> Back to be in your top six, you know, at this time next season. And that's essentially what, what you're looking at. So uh, for me, I think you, you count on having Carlson, you count on having Farivari next year. And then you, you pick out a couple of those other guys. I, I personally think they should, they should try to sign Jensen. Um, I'm not sure what it's going to take. Uh, and I'm not sure what his, I mean, the guy's a right-handed defenseman. He's still at a reasonable age. He's a great skater. Uh, for me, he's his career arc is still climbing. I think this guy has gotten better for uh, 
for me, he's there's something that seemed to click for him around January of the pandemic season, um, right around after the All-Star break. I thought he was hitting his stride just when the pandemic hit, and he's he's kept he's kept going upwards since then. So I would try to sign him. And I also really like what Trevor Van Riemsdyk bring, brings to the table on a nightly basis. I would try to sign him as well. That would set up your right side at least. And I think if you're able to stay out of the right-handed D market, that's a good thing. Those those guys always get paid, and sometimes they get paid too much. And the danger of the free agent market um, is always that a lot of times you wind up paying a guy for what he's done earlier in his career rather than what he's going to do for you. Um, so I would I would try to lean away from the right-handed free agent market if possible on the blue line and, and then try to patch in um, if you're going to lose Orloff, um, find, find a lefty on the market. Um, and, and, you know, I would say the jury's still out on, on Eric Gustafson. I think, I think he's been, I think he's been good. Like I said, uh, in, in some areas, but he, he's also, uh, he's also been a little spotty in his own end. There've been some turnovers and stuff. Those happen, but again, you're asking him, to play a lot of minutes right now. I think earlier in the season when he was partnered with Trevor Van Riemsdyk, I thought that pair was actually pretty good, but they were, they were getting, you know, probably 14, 15 minutes a night. And they were, um, they were probably getting a, a fair amount of ozone starts as well. Um, so I think, I think you wait and see on, on him, but, you know, and again, obviously the price is going to be a factor um, no matter who you're talking about, whether you're talking about guys in house or outside, All right, so after the break, we will continue to talk to Mike Vogel, and we will talk about the future of the Capitals' blue line and who will be on it in years to come. We'll talk about that next. Yeah, so, I mean, as I take a look at the the injuries, just kind of talking about players that are, you know, of most impact, I would say that Tom Wilson's absence for me is most noticeable. Yep, um, he's that tough guy. He's the enforcer. I like to call him the sheriff of the Washington Capitals that says, you're not going to push my guys around. And if you do, I'm going to have a shift with you sooner or later, and you're going to have to answer to me. You know, uh, Tom Wilson is a bit of a four-leaf clover. There's not a lot of guys that, like him in the league. You know, some people want to lump him in as like a, a goon. But, they, you know, that's Ryan Reeves and that's Maroon. Uh, Tom Wilson is a legitimate goal scorer, 20-plus goals last year. Talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on the impact of Tom Wilson and who is the enforcer on this team. It seems like it's Garnet Hathaway, but then he gets overwhelmed with all these guys trying to take him on at one time. We saw Matt Irwin kind of fight, and, you know, I think that's just trying him trying to endear himself to the Capitals. You know, he's a guy that's put in a deep freeze, and then they thaw him out when they need him. Who is that tough guy, and uh, who should step up in, in Tom's absence? Yeah, I'm not sure that that – well, number one, I don't think – I think most teams don't have an enforcer anymore. I think that, that the, the, the number of fights typically is dwindling, but I agree with you that that Tom Wilson is the guy that they're missing the most right now. And I think that I'd go as far as saying he, he he's uh, I don't know that there's another guy like him in the whole league. Um, so, so I think when you're missing him, there is no, there is no true one-to-one -one replacement. You can't do it. I thought their plan was a good one. Give up a second round pick to Ottawa to get Connor Brown in here. And oh. I, I, 
think Connor Brown is a terrific hockey player. I was excited when I heard about the trade because I like watching this guy. I think he's one of the best all around um, kind of underrated players in the league. He does a little bit of everything for you and he plays with a little bit of jam and a little bit of spice. And, and I just think, and, and he's also got that, that motor like Connor Sherry has and that really good hand eye coordination where he's great at, at just being irritating as far as on the four check. Uh, so, so I thought that he could bring a lot of elements to Tom's game. And I thought he could be a good complimentary player to say Kuznetsov and um, Ovechkin in the way that Mike Knubel used to be to Backstrom and Ovechkin back in the day, just a, the, the right fit kind of guy. And of course, um, once Connor went down with that injury four games into the season, now you're in a real pickle. Uh, and, and what are you going to do? You don't have a guy in house uh, that can even, and and there's another right-handed guy out of your lineup too. So that, that's been a compounding problem where I thought they, I thought they did a good job of trying to patch over the absences that they knew they were looking at and getting Strom to fill in for Backstrom and getting Brown to fill in for Wilson. And then if you can imagine those two guys coming back, Brown settles into the middle of the lineup somewhere as a middle six forward, which is essentially what he is. You're asking him to play up top for a quarter or a half of a season while some guys recuperate. You're asking the same thing of, of, uh, Dylan Strom in, in the middle of the second line until until Baxter can get back. So, but now you're you know like like I alluded to earlier, you're you're bringing in guys from outside the organization to try to patch those those same holes. Um, so it's it's a little bit of a different story, but I think it's got to be committee. I think guys, you know, kudos to Matty Irwin for coming into that game. Um, look, we knew that. The Lightning, in a in a home and home situation where you're playing the same team, the game after they lost a defenseman to an illegal check to the head, that they were going to be pretty salty about it, and they were. And so you knew somebody was going to have to step up, and, and that's what Matty Irwin did because that that's the kind of guy and that's the kind of player he is. And he also laid ten hits in that game. He was one of the guys who was engaged engaged in that game, start to finish. You know, you get in a fight at the end of the first period, a fight at the end of the second period. He was the one guy that you could point to at the end of the night and say, this guy, you he gave you the full effort. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think I don't need – I don't think you need a guy, Dan, who, who's going to drop him anymore. I don't think that that's, that's something that you you allow for on your on your roster. I had a conversation with Aaron Volpatti, who was that guy briefly – here about eight years ago, he was in town um, week, 10 days ago. And, you know, he, he, he was saying, yeah, I couldn't even play in the league now because, um, you know, in his days, he, those guys only played six, seven minutes, but the game has changed now. And, and you need those, you need your fourth line to give you a lot more than that in terms, in terms of uh, ice time, you need those guys to play 11, 12 minutes a night. You don't want them in the box for, for five minutes because you need them to kill penalties and, and that kind of stuff now too. That's been one of the, the big changes, I think, from the um, the lockout season of 0405 is um, the hooking and the, uh, the the obstruction type stuff is, has abated quite a bit, but also, you know, the, the pugilistic part of the game has, has waned uh, a great deal. And, and I don't know, you know, I don't think it'll ever, I don't think it'll ever go away organically. 
I think if they legislate it out, that's one thing, but I don't think, I don't think it's a bad thing that it, that it's still around. I think it, it serves its purpose from, from time to time. Um, but you know, it's not something that I look forward to seeing. I do think though, that there's a thing called team toughness and that's important. You don't, no team should get pushed around. No team should accept um, being pushed around. That's just the nature of the game. Um, and, and then if you, you can change momentum of a game sometimes with a, with a well-timed uh, bout. Uh, and, and so it's important to have a guy who's a, at least capable of taking care of himself and, and, you know, kind of watching out for teammates. But I feel like they have guys who, who can do that in um, matter when, when he's in the lineup, but you know, like you say, he's not always in the lineup. Um, Hathaway fights some, but you don't want him fighting every night. That that line, um, when the team got off to a reasonably good start, that was actually one of your best offensive lines too. When you know everybody else was trying to find their way, so I don't know. Um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a little more toughness come up from somewhere else in the lineup, and that failing if if um, I don't know if there's any. I don't think there's anybody in Hershey that you're going to call up and, and get that from, but. Um, honestly, I think I think you're just you're just waiting for Tom to get back at this point because uh, I don't know that there's any natural solution available out there. Yeah, I mean, I had heard that you know Beck Malenstein to a certain extent kind of relishes yeah. uh, that fighting role. He'll drop. Uh, yeah, for sure. And then you know he played well on that fourth line, and then he slid in front of the puck, and now he has a, a finger injury. So, uh, just kind of a, a bad break for Beck because I think that you know he was due his opportunity. You cover this team uh, on a daily basis. What is the latest that you know about Tom Wilson? It seems like in the preseason presser, he said that his timeline had been moved up between Thanksgiving and Christmas, but now yeah. I hear it goes all the way back. Um, to New Year's, what is the latest? Uh, when, you know, when can we expect to see him? Yeah, I would say, you know, not not having any medical background, not having talked to trainers or doctors about this or how he's come along. And you know, I've seen him skate a few times. I've seen Backstrom skate a few times too. I don't know; those guys look okay to me. Um, but again, you 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 want to be you don't want to be rushing guys back either. You want to make sure that this whatever their injury is that it's completely healed and that you don't go you know, bringing a guy back and then all of a sudden he keeps backsliding. That's, um, that, that's almost worse than, than, um, just accepting the fact that a guy's going to miss a whole season and, and letting him start from scratch uh, next year. But it, I mean, you said, he said between Thanksgiving and Christmas, there's only about a week's difference between Christmas and new year's. Right. So I think probably sometime, I'm hoping sometime in December. That's that's what I've kind of been had in my head since since I heard about the surgery in, in June or you know late May or whenever it happened. So um, my assumption was sometime in the month of December. Uh, obviously, the sooner the better. Uh, Backstrom, I had in my head that if he was going to be able to come back, that would be probably closer to the trade deadline, which I'm not mistaken is the first week of March this year. I don't know the exact date in my head, March 3rd, something like that. Um, so those are the those are the dates that I've had kind of in my head. And I hadn't heard anything official from anywhere, whether it was from the team or just in conversations with the 
the training staff that that would lead me to think that that's changed for the for the better or the worse. All right. I know I don't have you for a, a whole long uh, here tonight, but uh, just a question for you uh, as a person. As long as I followed this team, you've been covering this team. If I go to WashingtonCapitals.com, there you are doing the two-man advantage or whatever these videos. How long have you been covering this team? Well, I, I've been covering the team since the beginning of the 95-96 season and doing this exact job since 99-2000. Oh. So, you know, one of the things that impresses me the most, I guess, is I would call you like the Encyclopedia Britannica of this team. I know that's a dated reference and people under 40 are going to say, what is he talking about? But when I hear you kind of reminiscing with John Walton and you'll talk about a player from 25 years ago, oftentimes you can recall where he went to college, uh, maybe, you know, an outstanding play and a particular date. How are you able to do that? I know it's kind of an odd question, but you don't yeah. have Google in front of you. You don't have an earpiece feeding you the information, the ability to recall that finite information. Yeah. How do you do it? Yeah, I wish I could tell you, Dan. I, you know, I, I feel like we're all wired differently, right? And somehow I got wired with uh, the the unique ability to remember dates and and things like that, arcane stuff that doesn't doesn't really doesn't really pay the bills. I mean, you, you, you it suits you very well. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's good. And it, it bleeds. It's not just the, um, it's not just in my, in my, uh, work aspect of my job. It, it's with, you know, things with my kids or, uh, you know, things, things that happen over the course of my life or whatever, uh, for whatever reason, stuff just gets glued in my head date wise. And, um, you know, I guess I'm just like I said, I think it's just how I'm wired and, uh, uh, you know, you can't really change it. And, and so I guess I found at least I found a, a profession where it's it's sometimes useful. So um, I got that going for me. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm always impressed. I'll watch you, you know, on the game breakdowns or whatever is going on at MedStar Ice Complex and just all the detail. I do a lot of homework and I'm trying to retain all this stuff. And then you're just pulling this out. It seems like off the top of your hat here. I'm most impressed. But in any event, Mike, I want to thank you so much uh, for joining us on Locked On Capitals today. It's a great honor to have you here. And uh, I really hope to have you on again. Um, sure. You don't need any plugging here, but where can anyone, if they're not familiar with you, I find that hard to believe, but where can we find your work? Yeah, it's uh, it's at washcaps.com. That's that's where it all is. Um, uh, the dump and chase part, you can find it under the, uh, the news section. Uh, Dump and Chase was the uh, the name of the blog that I started, uh, gosh, I guess like 2005 or 2006. And that just oh. kind of got rolled into the uh, to the site over the years. So that's that's where it all is. All right, Mike. Once again, thank you so much for joining us on this edition. And I hope to talk to you again in the future. Thanks to having for having me, Dan. Thank you for making Locked On Capitals your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. So once again, thank you for joining me on this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. My name is Dan Holmey, and I'll talk to you again next time.